For today's meditation, I'd like us to turn to Romans, the sixth chapter. We often read this account during baptismal services, but I would like to read this account and then a couple of other verses throughout Romans that explain the event of today. As Claire had mentioned last night in her testimony, they asked her, what brings you to this point in your life, that you're standing before the church and you want to be baptized? The answer given was, lots of miracles. So today is a day where we look back on the lots of miracles that have been performed to this very moment that we could witness this baptism. Man does marvelous things, but God does miraculous things. Big difference. Romans, the sixth chapter. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his death. Wherefore, we are buried with him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also shall walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is free from sin. Now if ye be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies, that ye should obey it, in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid." Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men, Because of the infirmities of the flesh, for as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For 
For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit have ye then in these things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye, you have your fruits unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This particular chapter outlines the baptismal experience and what needs to be experienced before one can truly be baptized. Many are baptized, but to have that conversion experience, to make that covenant relationship with God, needs to be first and foremost before the baptismal service can really be Performed in the way that the scriptures have lined it out. The death of the old man. The death of the old nature. The love of sin. Being died to, hung on the cross, and buried. And then the rising of the new man. The new creature. The one that has been set apart. To be holy. To be different. To be a child. And yet a servant of God. That's what the scripture says. But the question might be, what events need to take place before this can be experienced? What truths need to be understood before this event can take place? And there's quite a few. Events in history that have shaped history, that have shaped time. When we go back to our first parents, to the Garden of Eden, where God created a perfect environment, a perfect relationship, perfect parents. There were made in His image. And they walked and they talked with Him. And they communed with him. And there was a love that was not really fathomable by us, nor possible for us to fully understand. And that event was there because God is love. And so he created all this for us to experience and to experience a true relationship with him. We don't know how long it was, but we know the relationship was destroyed. Sin entered in, and the relationship between man and God was terribly different. Because God doesn't tolerate sin. God doesn't want to look on sin. Sin is what separates us. From him. Because we go our own ways, we think about our own self, and we think of ourselves as being important. And pride steps in, and ego steps in, and we think we can do things on our own. 
That's the second big event. But God wanted us to once again experience a relationship with him. Close to what that was in the garden. Where he could walk and talk with us. And we could see him face to face. And so he set out a plan, even before time, that God the Father would send God the Son to the earth. Born as a babe, to live an exemplary life for us, to witness, to observe. And then the event of all times, when the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, had to be the perfect sacrifice for all of mankind. Not for just a select few, not for those that that were born into a Christian family. We heard that last night. We heard the stark contrast between a young lady who was born in a Christian family, who had gone to Sunday school her whole life, had heard many sermons, had heard God's call many times. And her mom had a reminder, you can't hide from God, and you can't hide your sin. To the stark contrast of Claire, who was not born in a Christian home, who had no absolutes, who never heard of the word of God until she was in her 20s. She had no foundation in which to make decisions upon. There were no absolutes in her life. It was about self. Me, myself, and I. All wrapped up in oneself. Not even knowing That there's a God. But the Lord Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. And he hung on the cross of Calvary for us. And he died for each one of our sins. And then three days. Victory over death. Victory over sin. And the world could now once again enter into a relationship with Almighty God that was almost as close as the garden. Maybe in some aspects it was closer. Because God said, not only am I going to intercede on your behalf through my Son Jesus Christ, but I'm going to send you part of the Trinity To live in your life. That you might be able to know me in a very personal way. That you might be able to understand the scriptures as you read it. Because he's not only our comforter. He's our counselor. He's our guide. He's the voice inside of us that tells us about God. There's voices all around telling us all kinds of things. But the voice we need to listen to is the one that is in sync with the Holy Scriptures and one that has been placed into our hearts 
because we found it important to make a covenant relationship with Almighty God and to be able to walk and talk with him, not physically, but spiritually. Where we now have a foundation in which to measure everything against. We've been given purpose and meaning. And that's so important. Because otherwise we wander through life aimlessly trying to figure out what our purpose is and what is our meaning and why are we here and where are we going. And when it's all said and done and life is over, where am I going? See, the Bible has the answers to those questions. And it's found in the relationship with Almighty God through His Son, Jesus Christ, and through the Holy Spirit who He wants to instill in each one's life who's made a covenant relationship with Him. So you can't get it any closer. See, Christ allowed that we could be justified. He paid the penalty for sin that we couldn't pay. And now he's interceding on the right hand of the Father on our behalf. So as we pray, he intercedes on our behalf. And to make it doubly special, he's provided the Holy Spirit to live in our lives. So that sometimes when we don't know what to pray, and we don't know how to ask, and we don't know how to be thankful, guess what? The Holy Spirit is there. And he's making intercession on our behalf. When sometimes we can't. Or it's not possible. But there are some truths that these two loved ones have experienced as they developed as they walked into this relation this uh, conversion experience and developed this covenant relationship with almighty god that we really should look at in light of romans these truths are found in other parts of scripture but it's nice when we can look at just one book of the bible again the inspired word of god penned now by one person the apostle paul And there's some truths in here that they have come to understand that we all need to come to understand before we become baptized. And for my friend that yet doesn't know Jesus Christ personally, you need to come to understand. Romans 5, 8, it says, But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is a very important verse because, again, it expresses God's love. That's so important. We use the word love pretty flippantly in in the world, but this is God's love. And he displayed his love to us by what he did. By what he did with allowing his son to come and to die for us. And he did that 
thousands of years ago, before we were even born, or even before we even recognized that we were in need of a Savior. And so this verse is so important. God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We were helpless. We were shackled with, with the bonds of the evil one. We were as his puppet doing the things that he wanted us to do. And that's, the Bible says, brings pleasure for a season. And that's just what sin is. It might bring pleasure, but just for a season. And at the end, it brings death. We don't want a puppeteer like that. We don't want to be shackled with sin. We want to be a child of God. And these are what these two loved ones realized. That God loved them so much. And had put this plan in place years ago. That they might be able to experience baptism today. These loved ones and all of us need to come to the fact that we have all sinned. And come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Even those children that have been born and raised in Christian homes. In apostolic homes. Who have been sheltered and hedged from the evil one. And have, in their own minds, never done anything bad. And have tried to seek God. But they've tried to do it on their own. And they didn't realize it was by God's grace that they would become converted. And not by their works. And not by what they could try to do to make themselves better. And put on some sort of facade that made them look holy. That made them look like brothers and sisters and members of the church. We all come to the realization that we have sinned at least once. And if that sin is saying no to God's first call, that is the greatest sin. Because when it's all said and done, if we've tried to do everything right, and we've given our body to be burned, and we've given our monies to the charities, if we've said no to God's plan of salvation, we have no hope. And we have come short. And we will have to pay. We will have to pay with our souls in a place that you don't want to be in. That's what the Bible says. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. None righteous, no, not one. That's what the Bible says. So if you think you're good, 
and that you're going to go on the coattails of your blood lineage, your family, the church you've attended. It's not sufficient. It never will be. You might be able to do marvelous things, but you need the miracle of salvation to occur in your life. And only God can do that. Only God. Romans 2.4 says, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Very few people that I have come to know or heard their testimonies where they responded to God's first call. And they've sought them with their whole heart and they have found him because he's very nigh to those that are a broken and a contrite heart. That's what the scripture says. But just in case you've heard God's call and you haven't responded, he's reminding us here that his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering are for those that have said no to God's call. And I'm quite sure from this pulpit Every, every Sunday and maybe every Wednesday night, the call to come reason together with God has been given. You've been given the opportunity to come and hear him and counsel with him and make your sins be washed away and made white as snow, the scripture says. Completely transformed. Miraculously transformed. Things that you tried to change in your own life and you couldn't. Because you're shackled with sin. And you're the servant of the evil one. God can do. So it's when we're prepared to surrender all and give up all that we gain all. That doesn't make sense in man's views. How do you surrender all and gain all? Usually when you surrender all, you're nothing. But the scripture says when you give it all up, when you lay it all at the cross, and you say to the Lord, I can't do it, I'm frustrated. There seems to be no hope. That's when God can start working. That's when we're moldable. That's when we're like the clay in the potter's hand. And he can fashion us into a useful vessel. A vessel of honor and glory. A vessel that cares for the things of God. As he instills in us his will, his purpose, his meaning in life. Despisest thou the riches of his goodness. The riches of his goodness. He wants to open up the storehouses of heaven and give you a blessing that you can't even receive. That's how gracious and good our God is. 
We can never underestimate him. Don't ever try to fathom him or put him in a box that limits God because it's way too small. And don't ever try to figure out how God's going to work. Because God works in his ways that are way different than our ways. But we know that when God works and we allow him to work, it's for his glory. And it's to lead people to him. The goodness of God leads thee to repentance. That's God's ways. He showers us with his love. He showers us with his goodness and his patience, his long-suffering. He stands at the door and knocks. And he knocks often. And he knocks consistently. He wants to have a relationship with each one of his creation. But then we have to come to the truth of the matter of the last verse we read in Romans 6. It says, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That truth, it just, it just lays it out. It makes it black and white. In the world, everything seems to be great. With God, it's black and white. If we enjoy sin, we, if we dabble with sin, we're going down death's row, death's path. If we enjoy the ways of God, if we have a love for his scripture, as it was testified last night, the prayer was that they would love the scriptures and want to seek it daily as the spiritual sustenance to their life. Then those wages become gifts from God. The eternal gift of God, eternal life, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Again, it all comes through the portal of what happened on the cross. The event 2,000 years ago, when the perfect sacrifice hung on the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ, and his shed, blood was shed for us, and then he had victory over death, rising again, and now sitting on the right hand of God, his rightful position, interceding for us. That's a truth. That's a black and white that we need never forget. Romans 1, 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. 
how could we ever be ashamed of what God, in his loving kindness, has done for us personally? It's the power of God unto salvation. That gospel message that these two loved ones have experienced. They've embraced it. They're walking by faith now. God said it. I believed it. I have experienced it. And I'm walking it. Each and every day I'm walking it. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Simple, important truth. The gospel message has so much power, we don't even understand it. To them gave he the power to become the sons of God. John 1. He starts the gospel message out with that in the first chapter with that verse. To them gave he the power to become the sons of God. It's nothing that we can do. By grace ye are saved. Says it in Ephesians 2. Not of works. Otherwise we could boast about it. We can only boast about the miracles that have been done in our life through Jesus Christ. Lots of miracles to bring us to this very point. Romans 10, 9th verse, <clears throat> that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God had raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. There it is. Right in a nutshell. We need to confess with our mouth the great work, the miraculous work God has done in our heart. The things that we could not do. The things that we could not change. The things that have separated us from God have been put to death now and will be buried in this baptismal waters. And we'll be raised as a new creature. And we want to now speak of those things and tell others. This is what the two souls confessed last night. They want to do this. They've experienced God's loving kindness, his forbearance. They've understood that the wages of sin is death. They've experienced God's great love. And now... They've testified that they want to tell others. So, brother and sister, these last few verses are for all of us. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him on whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace, bringing glad tidings of good things. Both of them 
Both of the testimonies we heard, and you'll hear this morning, reached in this first verse here. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? If we've been born in a Christian home, or we have born with parents that don't have a faith and don't know about God, we don't believe. So the question is, is how then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And then it says, how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? That was clear. Twenty years never heard of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Never heard of a loving God in heaven that has a plan for her life. But she heard after 20 years. And she believed after some time thereafter. And now are prepared to go out and preach and to teach and most importantly, to live the gospel message. To live what they're going to experience today. The death of the old person and the rising anew of a new creation with a transformed heart and a renewed mind, one that has vision and perspective in God's ways and has the strength to go forth in the power of God because they have the Holy Spirit living in their life. Not only can they walk and talk with the Lord as it were in the garden, They're part of the Trinity, living in their life. They would have all power to do the things that God would want them to do. And so we're thankful today to be able to hear their testimony once again, maybe in abbreviated form, and then to witness the experience, the culmination of it in this baptism. And then later on this afternoon, with the sealing of the the Holy Spirit on their heart's door.